May the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight, God, our strength and our Redeemer. Amen. Bit of a doozy, that gospel reading, isn't it? There is a temptation to drill down in and try and explain what that's all about in terms of not murdering and not even being angry and not and not divorcing and uh, not making vows. Um, and I'm sorely tempted to because there's so much to understand about the cultural context into which Jesus is saying these things and what he is trying to um, direct people away from. Um, I'll make a little bit of a, a mention of some of those things, but mostly I'm going to try and drill even further down into why he's saying what he's saying. Last week's gospel reading began with Jesus saying that he had not come to abolish the law and the prophets, but to fulfill them. And Stephen explored with us what that word fulfill can mean. I think as he kind of pointed towards this week's gospel, today's gospel reading continues with some sayings that illuminate the way in which Jesus invites us, his followers, to also be part of the work of fulfilling the law and the prophets. And this is not about following every single little line and ticking that we've done it. This is about understanding why the law and the prophets are there in the first place as a guide to living a faithful life with God and one another. So Jesus says, You've heard it said to those of ancient times, You shall not murder. But I say, Don't even when you're angry with a brother or sister, say things like, You fool. And you've heard it said that you shall not commit adultery, but I say to you, anyone who looks at someone with lust in their heart, desiring them for your property, even then, that is a sin. And whoever divorces his wife, it was said, whoever divorces his wife, let him give her a certificate to ensure that she is cared for. But I say to you that anyone who divorces his wife because it was always about the man getting rid of the woman, except on the grounds of unchastity, causes her to fall into sin. And again, it, said, it was said to those in ancient times, you shall not swear falsely, but carry out the vows you have made to God. But I say, do not even swear by this or that holy thing. Simply let your yes be yes and your no be no. Underneath all of these things, Jesus is calling people to seek to live righteously rather than be right. It's not about saying, I'm a holy person, I'm good, I do the right things. It's asking people to search their hearts and choose. Choose every day and each moment of every day what they will do with what is in front of them. One of the things that people could divorce their wives for, after all, was for burning the dinner. And Jesus is saying, that's not good enough. Divorce 
might be something that has to happen, but you need to search in your hearts whether that divorce will bring some kind of reconciliation in relationship or whether it's just about throwing someone aside like refuse. By telling the Sermon on the Mount in this way, Matthew has Jesus using the idea of these contrasts between what was taught and what he's saying now to demonstrate what living God's law is really all about, where its priorities lie. People can hear the commandments and not actually understand what they're really about. It's like Jesus saying, you think you know what they mean? Well, let me tell you what they do. The first one is about harboring anger. Jesus is saying the important thing is not don't be angry, but don't do destructive things with that anger. If you harbour that anger, it can turn into hate, and that hate can turn into violence. And even words that you speak can be violent. And in the second one, it's not about condemning sexual feelings, but it's about what you do with those feelings, how they honour relationships. In that first one, he lists some typical abusive phrases from his time. And people could hear it as he calls people to an even deeper keeping of the law and the prophets than has gone before. As more legislation that says there's a particular punishment for these particular words, if you say them. But that's not what Jesus is trying to say. He's trying to grab people's attention and say, even these words can be a kind of murder, a kind of choosing death rather than choosing life. It might not be mortal death, but it might be death to relationship. It might be death to a person's self-esteem. It might be a death to your own capacity to live compassionately. Jesus is saying, if you take the command, do not kill, seriously, then you will not embrace hate and let your anger turn into abuse of others. And you will not write anybody off. Feelings matter. And they are natural responses, just like hunger and thirst. We often are angry when we've been hurt, or when we see someone else being hurt. But Jesus is saying, do not let that anger lead into more destructiveness. Let that anger lead you into life. What you do with your feelings is important. So here's a story from the Desert Fathers from 4th century Egypt. A brother happened to commit a fault. And the elders assembled and sent for Abba Moses to join them. He, however, did not come. And the priest sent the Abba a message saying, Come, the community is waiting for you. So Abba Moses arose and started off. And taking with him a very old basket full of holes, he filled it with sand and he carried it behind him. The elders came out to meet the abbot and they said, 
What is this, father? The abbot replied, My sins are running out behind me, and I do not see them. And today I come to judge the sins of another. They, hearing this, said nothing to the brother, but pardoned him. Abba Moses, by his symbolism, reminded people that all of us make mistakes. And the gift of God is that God does not hold those against us, but carries them in an an old basket full of holes so that they dribble out behind us. So we should not hold other people's offences against them. After all, we have no idea what it is that's going on inside for people. We shouldn't be concerned about one another's sins while we're still working on our own. And when we have the experience of being hurt by someone else, rather than build up resentment towards them, perhaps we should wonder, be curious, be compassionate and think, I wonder what's going on for them. And what is it that I can do that will bring reconciliation and life in relationship rather than death? After all, there's little joy in turning away from people. And when it comes to making vows, we need to be so trustworthy that people will take our yes as yes and our no as no. We need to have grown in relationship with those around us so they know they can trust that what they see is what they get. So I want to introduce you to a practice that I think will help us to be like Abba Moses, to recognise the things that have been part of our past and to receive and make use of the things that are good and life-giving and let go of the things that are not so good, that are death-dealing. And in order to tell you about this practice, I'm going to invite you to practice it. So we're going to use the practice of examine. It's an ancient Christian practice. Uh, Ignatius of Loyola taught it to his brothers and told his brothers that even if they did nothing else, that twice a day they ought to do this practice. And the word examine is spelt in the Latin way, E-X-A-M-E-N. But it is very like the word that we use, examine, when we examine ourselves, examine our hearts, examine our lives, examine the context in which we live, examine our community, and pay attention to what it is that we do as individuals and as groups that bring life or death. So, I invite you into this process. So first of all, allow yourself to be fully present to yourself, to God, to where you are 
and to where you have been. Feel the sensation of your feet on the floor and your body on the pew. Be aware of the gravity that holds you there. Take a few deep breaths that fill your body from the toes to the top of your head. Breathe in God's unconditional love for you. And when you breathe out, allow that unconditional love to fill the space around you. And now I'm going to invite you to place your hand on your heart as a physical reminder of what we are doing. And ask the Holy One to bring to your heart and mind a moment from this day for which you are most grateful. It might be something big, it might be something really small. If you could relive one moment, which moment would it be? What has already brought you joy today? Life. When were you most able to give or receive love today? And as you are present to that moment again, wonder about how God might be calling you to give space for more of this in your life. And now ask God to bring to your heart and to your mind something from today for which you are least grateful. Something that was difficult, painful, something that made you angry or frustrated, something that saddened you or brought you pain. When were you least able to give or receive love? And ask yourself and God, what was it that was said or done or that you saw or heard in that moment that made it so difficult? And be with that without trying to change it or fix it or judge it. Allow God's love to hold you and fill you as you are present to that thing which drained you or you struggled with. And wonder to yourself what God might be telling you as you are present to this difficult thing.
And now, I invite you to be open to a sense of gratitude for what you have been present to, for what you have been enabled to see and feel and understand. And allow God to hold it with you and ask to continue to grow in understanding about these things and what they might be calling you to. And as we finish this reflection, consider, is there someone you could share what you have learned with? Someone you could talk to about it? Someone who might even enjoy hearing what you have to say. We're not far away from the season of Lent. On the 22nd of February, that will be Ash Wednesday, and we will begin those 40 days plus six Sundays that take us uh, all the way to the beginning of the Feast of the Resurrection. And those 40 plus six days are days when we, as a Christian community, traditionally take time to be reflective, to consider our life, to take stock and review, and to be open to what God might be calling us to as members of the body of the crucified and risen Christ. And so this year, we're going to invite all of you to take this little spiritual discipline on daily. To choose a time of the day and a place where you might sit and consider what has brought me life in the last 24 hours? What has been a struggle for me? What is it that God might be saying in these things? And when we do this practice daily, very often, patterns begin to emerge. We begin to notice what it is that brings us life in a regular way. And God calls us to notice and perhaps to place ourselves in our daily life into contexts where we will receive that life and be resourced by it. And we notice patterns in what makes things hard what drains us and sometimes we're aware of patterns in that and we know that there's something we need to change in ourselves or something we are called to help change in our world so that life can be brought out of death so the other thing that we're going to ask you to do during the season of Lent is to also choose a day in the week where you will meet with others who have chosen that day in the week, to reflect together on these things and to notice the patterns that are unfolding for you. Because we're not simply called to be followers of Christ individually. We're called to be the body of Christ, to resource one another and to listen to God together. And my hope is that as we make our way through the season of Lent, we will grow to know each other better and care for each other more deeply and together to be more attuned to the still small voice of God speaking in our midst.
Jesus called his followers not to do away with the law from the past, but to fulfill it, to allow it to be brought to a wider completion. It's a little bit like looking in a rear vision mirror when you're driving forward. You need to see what is behind you, not just in the rear vision mirror, but in your wing mirrors, to see what is there, what has been, if you like, in order to drive carefully and respectfully forward. So what has been can inform the way we continue to walk. And it's about respecting what is around us too. It's not just about me and my car. That creates road rage. It's about being aware of everything around us and choosing to make our way forward in the journey of life in a way that honours relationship and brings greater fullness of life. So I invite you to share with me in reading the collect together again. God of Israel, old and new, write in our hearts the lesson of your law. Prepare our minds to receive the gospel made visible in your Son, Jesus Christ our Saviour. Amen. Amen.